buckle up. Welcome to Musicians and Beyond, where we bring you the backstage info on the life, lyrics, and long journeys of the music and entertainment industry. Today is episode number 24. We have an incredible guest. But first, I want to talk, Mark, uh, episode 23 with Richard Willis and Johnny Peasy. Richie Willis and Johnny, what a couple of fun guys they are to have on the show. They were a lot of fun. Um, they covered a broad, broad, broad range of uh, the industry. So it was a great conversation with them. It was. It was a lot of fun. My, my stomach killed when, when they left. You know, they were here talking about their songs live on, uh, which is a Broadway-style play, musical, that is going to be in the Greater Boston Stage Company, and that's November 11th, 12th, and 13th. Can't wait to see the show. All right. So, Mark, I want to get into today's guest. Really amazing. And first, I want to dedicate this whole podcast today to Heart of the Earth Nonprofit Organization. And you can find out about them at heartoftheearthorg.com. And it's an organization that helps youth use their musical and artistic talents to transform their lives. And today's guest is the founder of that as well as a ton of other things. So I think we should welcome our guest, Michelle Brooks Thompson. Welcome. Hi guys. Thank welcome, you Michelle. so much for having me. This is awesome. This is so exciting. I mean, you've done so much. Um, you, you have an organization that you started and, you know, you've been into music for quite a long time. So I think we should probably start at the beginning. I was reading something that people were referring to you at the age of nine as a child musical prodigy. Yes. <laughs> wow. Pretty amazing. Can you tell us, you know, why they thought that and how that came about? Man. Um, so literally music has been my entire life and um, I'm very grateful for, you know, coming from a family that, um, was passionate about music, but also gifted as well. And so at a very young age, like four or five years old, my mom knew right away that I had a musical talent. So she started pouring into me what she could and also getting me into um, piano lessons and having me sing at church. And so by the time I was about eight, I could hear by ear when it came to playing the piano. So I was so in love with um, choir music from church and just music overall. I used to pull my keyboard out of the house um, and put it in the front yard and I would gather all the kids in the neighborhood and would teach them the songs that I learned from the kids' choir. And I would play, and I'd have the kids singing in the neighborhood. And it just followed me. Um, and by the time I was 10, I started competing in competitions, and I would always win them. And um, it just kept building from there. And by the time I was 13, turning 14, I was the minister of music for my grandfather's church, where I was playing a piano for the service and leading the adult choir. So from there, they're like, who is this kid at 10 years old and 13 years old doing things that adults should be doing when it came to music? But I had been so gifted at such an early age that I was able to do that. Yeah, you sure do have a great gift. So was it then at age seven, eight that you knew that you wanted to do this for your life? I 
did. Like, I would just lock myself in my room as a kid and just sing for hours. And I would listen to, you know, Celine Dion, Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey, every iconic voice that you can think of. And I would challenge myself to not only learn their songs, but their voice, the way that they sung it was the bar. And my goal was to raise the bar by singing better than them, you know, putting my own flair on it, but really challenging myself because I knew that that was the bar and the industry for that type of voice. And I knew that I wanted to be great, um, you know, like them. And so I just pushed myself and just kept with it all these years. Awesome. Awesome. So your main genre is gospel. Is that correct? Yeah, I would say gospel because I, you know, I grew up in the church, released some of my first music as a gospel artist, but I'm very well versed in other genres. And that was one thing I remember my mother telling me when I was younger, I was around the age of 10 or 11, and she was making me learn all these styles of music making me play piano. And I and I said, well, I don't want to do that. And I don't want to do this. And she said, well, trust me, it'll make you more marketable when you're older and you'll thank me for it. So <laughs> mama knew and uh, she just pushed me in every every genre that, that she knew how. Awesome. That's incredible. You know, Michelle, John said it. You'd, I feel like we have so much in common. When John said that you were, people referred to you as an eight-year-old prodigy, child prodigy, I... I a lot of people refer to me as a 50-something-year-old child, so I think we have a lot in common there. Um, De- Mark, definitely not a prodigy. No, not a... Well, it depends on what... You're, you're a tremendous depends on the following. You're a tremendous um, slouch, Mark. You know, as, as you went along, you, you, you followed your family, your, your family put you in this position, your talents were there, they recognized it. Who outside of your family would you credit as being the first one to see you and say, okay, wait a minute, let's go? Man, um... You know, I had a chorus teacher when I was in high school and um, he knew like right away there was something special um, about me amongst all the other kids that were in the chorus. And so he was from Trinidad, actually, and um, he would always find a song for me to sing with the chorus as a, a lead you know, vocalist. And then in 10th grade, he came to me and he said, hey, you know, I think that you should start a high school gospel choir um, because there are some kids here that would love to sing that type of music and you have the ability to do it. And I was like, okay, you know, very um, suburban school. There had never been a gospel choir there. And um, he really believed in me. And I think that was the first person outside of my family that saw the gift inside of me and really pushed it. And by the time I got to college um, within the, the area that we live in, the choral teacher that I studied under in college knew of me because she had had conversations with the high school counselor or glee club professor about me. So it was just a lot of great connections with him. I actually miss him. I can't even get in contact with him. He moved back to Trinidad. So oh, wow. um, his name was Jessel Murray. 
And uh, I really, really appreciated uh, what he poured into me and how he supported me. That's awesome. It is awesome. Well, it's yeah. great to have a teacher like that in your life. And that I think more kids need teachers to be that involved in yeah. recognizing their talents and helping them come forward. Yeah. You know, you've won some international awards. Tell us about those. I mean, you, you have a lot. We're going to get into the voice because all <laughs> of our listeners want to hear the, about the voice. But first, I want to hear about all these awards and different uh, competitions that you've been in. Man, I I just don't know. I, I guess I'm, man, it started at such a young age and it just kind of evolved from there. And I knew that I wanted to really do this as a living. So I normally entered competitions just to use it as a platform to get my voice out there. My intentions weren't to enter to win. My intentions were, okay, I just want, you know, an A&R to hear me. I just want a talent scout to hear me. And so I would enter these competitions and I would end up winning them. And it just, you know, kind of became, you know, different opportunities and the bigger the competition, I would say, oh, you know, that's a great platform to get on. Let me just see, how far I can get and what I can do and who I'll meet. And um, it snowballed from there. And so my resume is, is pretty long and um, I've met some some great people, which is actually how I got um, on the show, The Voice. Well, one of the ones I want to ask you about, tell me about the feeling of being at the Apollo and on the stage there and what that must've been like to take home a prize there. That was, actually a surreal moment and I watched Showtime at the Apollo as a child so I can remember seeing you know those young kids my age on there dancing and singing and I'm just like man I really want that to be me and um I didn't know that my journey my music journey would land me on that stage and it's almost a rite of passage for artists you know musicians singers dancers that are coming up in the industry and they're pursuing this um, this this life, <laughs> this, this purpose and passion that they have. And I was very blessed to just be there and do it one time, you know, rub the log, go out there, see all the um, autographs on the wall behind stage in the stairwell of all of the greats that have come through there. And Again, it was one of those moments where I'm like, okay, I can cross this off my bucket list. This is a great opportunity. I've done it. I've sung here one time and it didn't turn out like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it didn't turn out like that. And um, I actually did it. Um, they, I did it in 2014 and that was sort of my like one and done. And went all the way to the end the, the super top dog finals is what they call it. And I came in second place. And there's a mini rounds um, up before the super top dog. And I had won every round. And so everybody was sort of anticipating that I would win the entire thing in the end. But I did not. And so I was a little bummed by that. But I was like, hey, you know, I can tell my kids, my grandkids. You know, I went to the Apollo, I won a few times, and then I got a call three years later in 2017, and the producers of the Apollo Amateur Night wanted me to come back. 
and sing again. I was like, no, you know, it's kind of like a one and done and I don't need to do it again. And <laughs> he persuaded me for about four weeks to come back and do it. And finally, when he told me the prize was double what it was in 2014, um, which bought it to $20,000, I was like, okay, just sign me up. I'll come do my first round and we'll see what happens. I'm not banking on it and that's it. And the next thing I knew, I had won every single round and won the entire thing in 2017. Wow. Well, that's congratulations amazing. to yeah, you. absolutely. Let Thank me add, that we all know what that audience is like for, for a performer's <gasps> perspective, looking out the energy that's coming at you, right? Tell me what's that, what's that like for a performer to have, have that feeling, you know? You know, there's no judges, you know what I mean, on your side. You've got perfect strangers that you've never met only that night. And they have no problem letting you know that you don't sound good <laughs> or they're not, you know, they're not feeling you. And um, uh, the Sandman, he's there. He's waiting in the wing of the stage to come on <laughs> out and tap dance you right off. But, um, you know, I was very fortunate because every performance I had, I pretty much received a standing ovation, which was very amazing. I'm sure it must have been. Well, so, you know, one of your songs, Never Give Up, has brought you onto the Billboard charts. Yes. And yes. what number did you get up to? One. Number, number one. Number one. There was no higher yeah. to go. And what, <laughs> no. what, an, what an accolade that is. I mean, that's got to be one sure. of your highlights. That's that's a big deal. That That's huge for me because, you know, I've, I spent so many years, like, you know, seeing other um, fellow artists, friends, you know, have their success on the billboard. And I just believe that when it's your time, it's your time. And this part of my journey, it was it was my time um, for me to experience that career highlight. So it was definitely a cryable moment for me. And um, I just, you know, feel blessed that the song was being played and reaching people because of the message just to tell people to never give up. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you are listening to Musicians and Beyond, and we are here with Michelle Brooks-Thompson, and you can find out everything about her and download her music, michellebrookstompsonmusic.com. And we were just talking about a song that reached number one on the Billboard charts, Never Give Up. So I think it's a good time. We're going to listen to Michelle Brooks-Thompson. Here is Never Give Up.
Uh, could you tell us when you wrote that song, what went into it? What inspired you to bring that wonderful message to the world? There is, well, first let me say this. I think that as an artist, um, when we write songs, I my goal has always been to produce music that is timeless, that has a message that reaches people because music is such a beautiful thing and it reaches people across all like ethnicities, backgrounds, like music is so beautiful. And so with this song, we were, uh, my partner, uh, Mark Copeland, he's a Berkeley College of Music Ensembles professor. We were working on a version of the national anthem because I sing it so much. So we were putting out an official recording of it. And he actually came to me and said, I have another song for you. And I said, oh, you do? Okay. And um, the song was given to him in a dream. And he woke up from the dream and sat at the piano, started playing the music, what he heard, and writing out the lyrics that he heard in the dream. And so we went into the studio and we recorded it. But it was at a time where I felt like in my musical journey, I wanted to actually kind of pause and stop uh, my pursuit. And I share that to be transparent because that's one thing I've always wanted to be as an artist is be transparent with other artists that are coming up to know that this journey in the industry is not easy. and. You know, a lot of times we see the success of artists, but we don't see like those closed doors, those stories. We don't hear about, you know, the rejections and things like that. And so it literally was just last year where I said, you know what, I think I'm gonna step away from music for a while and just focus on on other things. And we literally were in the studio recording this song when all those emotions were coming through. And we got done. We weren't releasing it for a few months. And I had actually decided that we weren't going to release the song because I felt like, well, if I'm going to stop music for a while, there's no reason to release this song um, and you know, promote it and all of that. And so my good friend Mark, you know, we sat and we talked and he's just like, you know, you're you're so close, like you've done so much in your career that, you know, you've really got to keep going, like you can't give up. And I laugh about this all the time because he starts quoting the lyrics of the song to me. And I'm like, I know what it says. I sang it in the studio, but he was trying to encourage me because at that moment, the very song that he dreamed was something that I needed to encourage me to keep um, going. And so, I mean, it literally has become a song that I breathe and listen to frequently, not only just, you know, because it's on the radio or, you know, I'm doing an interview and they're playing it, but because it speaks to me, it encourages me, you know, that I'm on this journey that's mine. And um, I can't give up because I'm so close to what I've been working hard for. And over the last 10, 11 months, that song has been so true 
um, to me and my journey right now. With that said, you know, one of the things we ask a lot of the, the guests on the show is if you were looking to younger musicians who are coming up, what is the, the one bit of advice you could give them? And is there, we always ask about the highlights and, and you can talk forever about those, but one moment mm-hmm. that, that I think you may have just said it about one of those transformational moments where you may have said, I'm done. It's a tough thing to even comprehend that someone at your level could feel that way. What do you tell a kid? So, you know, I always say, be sure that this is what you were meant to do. This is what you want to do because there are going to be obstacles. And I can say this for sure because I actually went to college to be a doctor and I got all the way to my senior year getting ready to find medical schools, take the MCAT. And I woke up one day and I said, you know, I don't wanna go to med school. I don't wanna be a doctor. I wanna be a singer, you know? So I called home and I I told my family and they were kind of puzzled, like, well, what do you think you're gonna do with singing? And you're not going to med school. Like, how are you gonna make a career, you know? And I was like, I don't know the answer to that right now, but I do know that I was meant to sing. And that was, you know, that was it. And I always think about the movie Sister Act 2, where Whoopi Goldberg tells Lauryn Hill that if all you think about, all you dream about is singing, music, then you were meant to be a singer. And for me, that was my life. I ate music, I breathed music, like everything around me was music. And I just felt like that was what I was purposed here to do. So once you know that, you begin your pursuit. And it's going to be some hard days. You're going to have some wins. You're going to have some losses. Um, And you just have to be sure, you know, that this is what you were meant to do and go after it. And I always say it's okay to cry. You know, there, we all get disappointed. We want something, we hope for it, we believe for it, and then it doesn't happen. And, you know, we hear people say that right before you give up is when it's about to happen for you. (laughs) And like, I, (laughs) I am so like serious when I say like that is, I've lived that over the last 12, 11, 12 months because it was August of last year that I really wanted to stop. I wanted to stop music because I just got to a point of, you know, you kind of get numb. At the same time, you still have feelings to the rejections, to the no's, to the broken promises. And you gotta just be like, you know what? I'm not gonna, I'm just not gonna involve myself in it. And I had a radio promoter at the time who said something to me that really was life-changing, that put things in a different perspective that no one in my circle had really ever threw back at me. And what he asked me, um, because I told him, I said, hey, listen, um, you don't have to continue promoting my single that was out at the time, Woman First. Um, I said, because I'm not going to do any more radio interviews. I'm going to step back and take a break from music. You know, I I think I'm done for a little bit. And so he got quiet. And then he said to me on the phone, he said, so let me get this straight. You're going to fire yourself because of what other people have done. And I said, 
wait, say that again. <laughs> you know, and, and he was like, so you're firing yourself from what you've done so well. You were gifted to do. You were purposed to do because of other people failing you, because of other people not coming through. And so you're firing yourself. And I was like, well, you know, no one's ever asked me that. No one's ever put it in perspective like that for me. And I began to think, you know, how how can I stop my dream because someone else didn't deliver? You know, when I've been pursuing it for so long and I've been doing what I need to do as an artist, making sure, you know, I put out good music, making sure, you know, I've got a, um, you know, a team behind me. And, and so that was really the life-changing conversation that gave me that last push into that, that final stretch where like, okay, you're there, your, your promise is right there. You just got to push a little bit harder. And when I walked into 2022, it was like an entire turnaround that I never expected that, that I, I walked into a season of my journey that I was about to forfeit because I was going to give up. You know, I'm curious about the timing of what you went through. Did the pandemic affect you in any way related to that? Was there anything that you were stalled because of that or? A little bit, you know, we, we put off some recordings because things got shut down. Um, but I was still fortunate to be able to do virtual shows, which was, you know, nice. And then once things kind of had like a, a soft reopening, um, I was able to get out and do, you know, small, small venues um, for different, you know, private functions and corporate functions. And so it worked out for me um, where I wasn't too isolated from performing. But I, I know some people just they didn't have a lot of things <laughs> happening. So I see that you go around, you sing the national anthem at a lot of in professional football and baseball and everything. Not mm -hmm. too long ago, you were in Charlotte <laughs> and you had a, can I call it an incident? Yes. In front of <laughs> 75,000 of your closest friends. Amazing. Oh, I remember seeing this story on the news and it's awesome that I'm actually face to face talking with you now. What happened? <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, they say I was such a good sport when this <laughs> happened. Um, and I was a true professional. And it's actually, the story is quite funny because um, they had just got a new sound system, Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte, the Panthers. And we did our sound check that day before the event. It was perfect. And um, while I was singing, I got midway through the anthem and the, well, first the mic cut out at sort of like three seconds in and then it came back and I'm like, okay, all is well in the world. Then it went back out and it came back in and I got to the next half of the song and all of a sudden I hear the stadium singing with me. And I'm just like, wow, this is fantastic. This has never happened before in all the games I've sang at. And I'm like, wow, I must be doing really, really good out there. 
So <laughs> I get done. And then I realized, I'm like, wow, there's kind of a delay too. Like, am I, like, I don't know what's going on. Why are they ahead of me? And so we get done, the stadium applause, they're going crazy. I'm like, man, I really did my good rendition today. Get to my green room, my husband's standing there, the uh, production man that was in front of me, guiding me the whole time is kneeling down in front of me and he's just like, man, you know, you really did an awesome job. You sounded great and, and you handled it like a professional. And I'm like, it's okay. You know, the mic went out, it came back in. And my husband looks at me and he shakes his head. And I'm like, <laughs> what, what did I miss? And <laughs> the production guy says, uh, your mic never came back on. And I'm like, no, it did because I had on um, in-ears and I could hear myself through the mic. I could hear the people in the stadium coming through my mic. And he said that everyone with um, headphone sets could hear me, but no one in the stadium could hear me. Oh my! And so I never knew until I got to my green room that that was what happened. Pretty incredible. That is, that's America <laughs> coming together. I mean, it's it's amazing when... Something like that happens, so everyone just, you know, Joins steps in. up and makes it makes the best of a bad situation. Yeah, awesome. it was it was definitely one of those moments where I felt like I was totally thinking one thing, but something else was happening and I had no idea. And you know, at the end I get this thunderous applause and I'm just like, Wow, seventy five thousand people, oh my gosh. And then I found out they couldn't even hear me. It must be hysterical <laughs> to watch it back. <laughs> it is. Because <laughs> only um, you can you, know, you can associate with it in that kind of way. And, you know, the funny thing is that I always said, I know one of these times, you know, these anthems are, are going to go viral. But in my <laughs> mind, it wasn't going to be one of those types of incidences. But... Um, you know, they regarded it as a very, like, unified moment where so many people came together. And when you think about the political side of the anthem and so much controversy that there has been, to have 75,000 voices singing it in unity together, that is a historical moment. Yeah. And, you know, I was actually happy to be a part of that because it's never happened before. And now it's this historical, you know, moment in Charlotte during the inauguration. And guess who was there? Michelle Brooks Thompson <laughs> <laughs> was at the center of what took place. So it. it's still a great um, achievement. And, you know, I think that even if I had known my mic, that nobody could hear me, I would have delivered just the way that I delivered, um, not knowing that they couldn't hear me. Now, we've talked about the lows, and that's a pretty good high right there. What would you <laughs> look at over the span of your career as the, your most favorite moment, you, the one moment that just shook you? Can you point to any? <sighs> um, there's a couple, but... I would say um, I got to sing for Derek Jeter um, at Fenway. And I didn't really know who Derek Jeter was, I'll be honest. Um, 
And so when they called me, the Red Sox called me and they're like, hey, you know, we want you to do this tribute. We were going to get, I think they were going to get, they were getting some big Grammy name. And, you know, they were like, we discussed it, but we want to get you. And so I was like, okay, you know, great. So my husband on the way to the event, that, that game that day, it was a farewell ceremony because he was retiring. And the Red Sox wanted to give him a little special tribute before the game. So my husband's like, you do know that everybody's going to be at this game. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's just like, this is Derek Jeter. And I'm like, he's a baseball player. <laughs> he's like, you know, he's like, no, he's not just a baseball player, you know. And so even I, as a Red Sox fan, revere him. Just so you know, <laughs> that's how that's where he sits. Right, right. So they were like, you know, we want you to sing "Respect" by Aretha Franklin. So I was like, okay, perfect, perfect, perfect. So we go through the rehearsal. And everything worked great. You know, they had me practice walking across the field and singing. And they're like, okay, Derek Jeter's going to be right over there. We want you to walk up to him and serenade him. Boom. Perfect. Everything goes well in sound check. I'm learning this. So <laughs> when it's time to perform for Derek Jeter, I'm walking across the field and I'm singing respect. And the long mic cord ended up getting tangled. So <laughs> the guy on the field, he runs out, you know, he's trying to un, um, do the cord, the, the knot. And so I signal for Derek Jeter to come over. I'm like, he's not going to come to me, right? <laughs> so I'm singing like, what you want, babe? And so I signal for him to come over and he starts walking towards me. And so he literally stands there and I'm singing to him and he gives me a hug. And, you know, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I just hugged Derek Jeter. And I get to serenade like one of the best New York Yankee baseball players that there has ever been. So that was a real highlight uh, for me in my career. I would, that's, that's a good one. Big. That's a good one, Mark. <laughs> we can't even say we did that. <clears throat> so if you don't mind, can we get to The Voice? You were yeah. on The Voice. I think it was season three. You were a finalist mm -hmm. on, on The Voice. And yes. uh, I believe your coach was Adam Levine. Yes. He mm -hmm. was. And he said yes. that you had supernatural singing ability. Yes. How was The Voice uh, and how did you how did you get into uh, even auditioning for it and then bring us through through the time frame of what went on. So I was actually singing at a number of events and a talent scout um, connected with me some prior years to when the voice happened. And the season that I was on, they were looking for private, uh, you know, recommendations for a private audition. And someone she knew was connected to The Voice. And she reached out to me. And it was kind of like one of those, when you know something is for you, it's for you. Because I had auditioned for American Idol. I had auditioned for another show, another singing show. And the night before I got the call, it was in February of 2012, I was watching The Voice. I just happened to be watching it. And my aunt called me, who was a singer, and she said, hey, 
have you seen the new show, The Voice? And I'm like, yep, I'm watching it right now. And she said, you should audition. And I told her, I said, no, I don't want to audition for any TV shows. And um, I said, but you should audition because they have no age limit. And so we laughed and I never thought any more about it. And then I woke up the next morning and the talent scout said, you know, give me a call. I have a major network um, talent show that's looking for private recommendations and I want to recommend you. So I called her and I was like, so what is the show? And she said, it's NBC's The Voice. I said, okay, um, but I'm not interested. So thank you for thinking of me. Um, I'm going to pass. And she understood, but she was still like very adamant about me considering it and thinking about it and getting back to her. So I was actually um, teaching music at a school and literally five days later, um, I was at an assembly and I was waiting for the assembly to start because my choir kids were singing. And someone from the school, one of the faculty members walked up to me while I'm waiting and she says, you should audition for The Voice. And I knew what she said and I turned to her and I said, what did you say? And she changed her, her wording. She said, you need to audition for The Voice. And I said, wow, that's interesting. I said, because that's been presented to me this week, but you know, I haven't made up my mind. And to be honest with you both, I never thought any more of it past that day. Cause in my mind, I knew that I wasn't gonna do it. And so I just, I forgot all about it. I didn't get excited about a private audition. And the talent scout called me again and said, hey, you know, I just wanna let you know that, um, the audition, the preliminary, isn't going to be in Boston this year. They're moving it to New York instead. And I said, okay, that's fine. I'm not going to do it anyway. And another week or two went by, and I really have forgotten all about it. And what they had set up was the person who was making the recommendation to The Voice had a little mini audition where they invited a couple of artists from the area and they listened to about 20 of us and picked who they wanted to go to casting to have a private full interview you would perform three songs they would get to know you it's not what you see in the open calls when you get 30 seconds to sing in a room full of you know 200 people so my husband and I were out and I got a phone call and she said, hey, you know, we're, we're going to be in Boston tomorrow doing the preliminary to send those to New York to casting. Are you coming? And I told her no. And <laughs> me being the good wife <laughs> listened to my husband because he said, no, tell her you're going to go. And I, I was like, you know, I really don't want to. <laughs> Like, I just, you know, I don't want to put myself through the audition process because I had done it for American Idol. I had done it for um, another show for two seasons. And there was another show on ABC. And I just didn't want to do that. And my husband was like, no, you really should do this. 
And so I said, fine, I'll do it. And went there the next day. I sang my two songs and there was about 20 other singers there. And before we could really get back on the mass pike, <laughs> um, we got a call uh, from them saying that out of everybody they heard, I was the only one that they wanted to send to New York. So then I started feeling a little excited, like, okay, this might be something happening here. And um, I got to New York a couple of weeks later at SIR Studios. And, you know, I was feeling very insecure about, you know, the way I looked, about the way they thought I was going to sound. And, you know, having done American Idol auditions, it kind of left a, um, <laughs> a a bad taste in my mouth about these shows because at that time, American Idol was so famous for taking someone in a chicken costume, you know, over someone who could actually really sing. And that was what happened to me when I auditioned for American Idol. I sung a full Whitney Houston song and they looked at me and said, we're not sure. But then the guy next to me who, you know, sang in a rainbow tutu and fairy wings, he sung Michael Jackson, he made it through. So it was a little disheartening. So, so going into the audition room with casting and the lead vocal coach for the show at that time, I was feeling a little um, insecure. And I'll never forget it because when I walked in the room, they looked at me and they said, um, before you sing, we just want to tell you that we love everything about you. We love the way you look. And I just felt like it was a divine intervention moment for me <laughs> because it was the one thing that I was most concerned about. And I had never met them before. And those were the exact words that came out of their mouth before I sang. And from there, it took like a whole amount of stress off of me. And that's why I say to any artist, when it's your time, it's your time. Nothing can stop it. And, you know, I just put a post up on social media about knowing when something is meant for you. You don't have to chase it. You don't have to question it. It just, it, it's not chaotic. It's peaceful. Everything just flows piece by piece. And that was what was happening with the voice. And I mean, the rest was history. I was literally, next thing I knew I was on a plane <laughs> to the executive callbacks in LA. And I pretty much stayed out there for the duration. I think I came home for like a week or two at some points, but the rest, I was in LA for about five months um, until, you know, I got eliminated from the show. So, Michelle, what's your husband's name? His name is David. Well, David, we <laughs> want to thank you for making sure you were there and to keep pushing her. <laughs> yes, yes. He, he, he definitely is like my, I call him my husbander. Um, <laughs> because, you know, he's taken on the role of my music manager plus, you know, the husband. But, you know, sometimes you do need that extra push. And, you know, for artists that are listening to this, you know, get you a team of people that believe in you, even on your worst day. 
right? You may not sound the best. You might not have the best, you know, performance that day, but they still believe in you and think that, you know, you are the best at what you do. And that does help make the journey um, go smoother. And, you know, just having that support, because we all need support, whatever it is in our life, you know, um, and, and I can remember when I wanted to stop last year, my bass player looked at me and he said, nah, we not letting you stop. <laughs> it's okay if you want, you know, take a couple of breaks for performances and things like that, but we're not letting you stop. You know, we're here for you. And, you know, that meant a lot to me um and and having that support system for artists is really essential because those no's are going to come those rejections are going to come but you need someone fighting for you and, and pushing for you and um if you have that great um if not you know just keep being out there and you'll meet people who think that you have a great talent and sometimes it might be a perfect stranger who's your biggest supporter and and want to be there for you. And that was sort of what happened for me with The Voice. It was the talent scout who happened to see me perform and she was blown away and she just wanted to help in any way that she could and recommended me to the show. Like you say, it's good to have people there that can support you and help you through those hurdles and keep pushing mm -hmm. you and believe in you. That, that's so important in every every aspect of life. But when you're a performer and you, and you need that, like you say, you were feeling insecure. Someone said something, yeah. there's a sign there for you. Follow the signs. Just keep yeah. going. Yeah, you have your family behind you, your friends, your co-workers. It's great. You, yeah. you, you yeah. talked about uh, Derek Jeter being one of the best Yankees of all time, one of the best baseball players of all time. He only hit the ball three out of every time, ten times, and he's that great. <laughs> so, you know, set your expectations somewhere. In, yeah. That makes perfect sense. I'll have to, you know, put that on my wall of knowledge. <laughs> oh, goodness. So, um, tell, tell me about your foundation. Yeah, so my husband and I, so my husband's an athletic coach. He had a career in the NFL and semi-pro and, you know, went into coaching. And I have worked in schools to teach music and I taught music at Job Corps of America. And that was my first introduction to, you know, an environment where there were a lot of young adults and young people who kind of had been dealt a hard hand in life, but they had skills, right? And they needed to be in a place where those skills that they had could flourish and, and be, you know, cultivated. And so music happened to be one of the um, artistic talents that they were trying to incorporate at the school. So I was asked to come in and teach um, some music there. And that was an eye opener for me. And I think that's really where I saw firsthand how music could really develop someone. And um, I saw so many kids come through my class that had to, um, had to get out of them what they were experiencing 
at home, you know, a, a traumatic life experience. So that launched part of the earth. And what my husband was doing with young people was also, you know, he was taking these kids who had never had, um, you know, anybody pour into them with athletics. And it was one of those talents that were allowing them to go to college for the first time, allowing them to graduate high school for the first time. And so I said, you know what, let's create a foundation that really focuses on that and helps young people. So that was how that was birth. Yeah, it's great that you and your husband both have fantastic talents and that you are using it for the better of, um, of children all over. So people can find out about the information and they can also donate if they go to heartoftheearthorg.com yeah. and uh, find out all the wonderful things you're doing. We really want to thank you. We want all our listeners to... Um, to go on to all of your social medias and follow you and find out yes. your um, up and coming events and releases and, you know, follow musicians and beyond. And, yeah. you know, think about, you know, contributing to, to help others out. Yeah. You know, um, let, let me, before we go, let me ask you what's next for you. What, what do you have coming up? So um, hopefully <laughs> November 15th, I'll find out that I've made the final ballot for this year's Grammys, which is definitely a pinnacle of my career wow. for me. Um, I have four um, items on the ballot this year and first round voting finished um, about a week, about two weeks ago. So they announced the final nominees next Tuesday. Excellent. So, today awesome. so i'm hoping <laughs> that i'll get at least one nomination out of the four that were that were on there well we're gonna be hoping for all four for you that'll work that'll definitely <laughs> be my boy that's great um, so i'm excited for that and you know i'm always performing and doing different shows i actually have my first international performance booking um and i'll be going to the uk in february so i'm excited for that and um i'll be singing for the 49ers christmas eve oh wow they have a special game that they're doing so i'll be um going to san jose during winter which will be very very nice very good for you um, so so many um, opportunities, you know, to, to catch me singing and performing. And I just believe that this this has been such a amazing season in my career that I've worked so hard for that every time I turn around, you know, my husband's getting a, a new email from somewhere else or, you know, someone's reaching out from something bigger than what I could ever think of. And so I'm just very excited. And I never, I literally never know. I can get off this podcast with you guys and wake up tomorrow and something else will, will present itself. So. God willing. That's, that's great. You know, mm -hmm. not, not as big as the Grammys, but now you can put on your resume that you've been a, a special guest of yeah. uh, Mark and John at Musicians <laughs> and Beyond. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we're very excited for you. The next week, uh, we're, we're, we'll be rooting for you, and we're looking forward to watching bigger and better things come along for yeah, you. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching your journey. 
You know, thank and you it, so it, we want to thank you again for taking your time, coming on, telling us some great stories. And I think we earned a new friend today. So we want to thank you for being our oh, friend. Thank you. Yes. yes thank you. Yes. And best of luck with everything. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle.